you may have missed the first part of that. <laughs> if you weren't listening carefully. Junior Asparagus's little carrot friend, Laura, she's a carrot or a sweet potato, I'm not sure which, had a, had a ticket to a concert and was going to meet the star of the concert and she kept rubbing it in his face. I get to meet Twippo. That's a great name for a rock star, by the way. And wouldn't you know it, as luck would have it, her ticket, because she's waving it around, flies out the window of the car that they're driving. And so what you saw there was Junior telling her, it's your own fault. You lost your ticket because you were rubbing it in my face that you got to see Twippo. You got the backstage pass and nobody else did. You're getting what you deserve. And then as he looked at the menu, he saw the prices of things. My favorite thing, by the way, was shrimp uh, scampi on a stick and then shrimp scampi on a clean stick. (laughs) I wouldn't advise that restaurant. (laughs) But then it was compassion, market price. And as you know, anything that says market price means what about that object? It's not cheap. It's going to cost you something. And Pa Grape says, hey, you were a little bit hard on your friend. And he goes, but she was getting what she deserves. And then he says, you need to share some compassion. And then he gave him that look. And he said, that's what they all say. So here's my question, because I thought we were talking about mercy and grace. And so where does this compassion thing come from? What is compassion? What does it have to do with mercy and grace? And I have to tell you, I'm glad you've asked those questions. I want to share that with you, but first I want to pray, and we're going to break this all down. Father God, as we look at your word, as we see mercy and grace and compassion, how they work together, my prayer this morning is that we, as as individuals, can be a better reflection of those things in our lives. My prayer is that we, as, as your church, can be a better reflection of those things in our lives. In your son's name we pray, amen. First off, compassion is a big word. Compassion at its basic concept is a powerful, deep awareness of someone else's suffering. Making it so that you don't want them to suffer. It's not just knowing that someone is on fire, but you have a desire to put them out. Okay, we don't always have that desire. The New Testament Greek words for compassion are ilios and oikthermos. Say oikthermos. No, okay, or don't. (laughs) The root word from the Latin is the same as that of passion. You see, it's compassion is something you want so much that you suffer from not doing it or not having it or not accomplishing it. The root meaning to suffer is also used in the same references as when Jesus carried his cross to the crucifixion. I want to put all this together for you. You see, for Christians, we need to understand that all compassion is shaped by and rooted in Jesus's passion, where his awareness of our suffering and our being stuck in sin, his awareness of that drove him to do something about it. And compassion... Your suffering becomes my suffering. My suffering becomes your suffering. The unique thing about Christian people, about people in general, some people have the ability to be extremely empathetic towards others. They, they can actually enter into part of someone's suffering or pain and bear with them the part of it that they can reach and that they can help them with. The truth is, no one actually needs the gift of empathy to have compassion. You only need enough love in you 
that you want, to, you want someone's suffering to end, or at least to become more bearable. There are some other related words that go with compassion. Sympathy. You've heard of that word from time to time. Sympathy is being sad about someone else's sadness. Pity leads you to want to help someone if you could. But compassion takes those words one step further. It's more than just a desire to help. It creates a determination. It creates a decision to actually help, to put an action with pity, to put an action with these other words, to put an action with sympathy. In some, only if it's even in some small way. Compassion makes mercy and grace a very personal experience. Uh, you need to beware, though. Like Junior Asparagus saw on the menu, compassion at market price can cost you something. Compassion, it puts a part of yourself on the line. When you offer compassion, maybe it's putting your power over someone on the line. Maybe it's putting your time on the line. Maybe it's putting your wealth or your efforts or your skills on the line. But what's really awesome about compassion is that when it's strong, it overrides anger. It overrides vengeful desires. Compassion is a little bit different than mercy. Last week, I explained to you that mercy and grace are a choice that we make. But compassion, it's about an emotional connection that moves you toward those actions. And again, compassion is what makes mercy and grace more personal. Think about that. Compassion is what drives mercy to be the action itself. Compassion can lead to mercy, and mercy leads to grace. The best example we have of, a com- of compassion leading to mercy, mercy leading to grace, is Jesus Christ. His compassion for us led him to taking actions Not just for us, but for all the people he met. His compassion led him to show mercy and grace to the crowds that came for healing and teaching. His compassion led him to show mercy and grace to the woman at the well. His compassion led him to show mercy and grace and healing to the Gerasene demoniac. His compassion led him to show mercy and grace and healing to Jairus' daughter. Countless records of, of how Jesus lived every day with compassion and the action of mercy and grace that followed. You see, compassion asks us to go where it hurts. Compassion asks us to enter places of pain, places that we may not normally go to. It asks us to share in the brokenness. Compassion asks us to share in the fear of someone else. It asks us to share in their confusion. It asks us to share in their anguish, in their hurt. Compassion is what challenges us to cry out with those in misery, to mourn with those who are lonely, to keep, to to weep with those who are in tears. Compassion requires us to be weak with the weak. It requires us to be vulnerable with people who are vulnerable. And sometimes it requires us to be powerless with people who are powerless. You see, compassion means full immersion in the condition of being human. We're going to try this one more time. Pa Grape and the pirate, his piratey friends have a little bit more to share with us about mercy, grace, and compassion. Let's try this one, see if it works.
You can't have Moisey <laughs> without compassion. You will never forget that. Every time you hear someone say mercy, you will hear Moisey. It's stuck. It's ingrained in your head. You know, Abraham Lincoln said back in 1865, as he was sharing a speech with the United States for life after the U.S. Civil War, he said, I have always found that mercy bears richer fruits than strict justice. You know, President Lincoln understood what Pa Grape just shared with Junior Asparagus, how compassion and mercy go hand in hand. He understood that mercy done right is a compassionate action. It's a treatment. It's a relief from distress. The thing about compassion and mercy together is they're to be ruthful rather than ruthless, if you will. I kind of made that up. I don't know if ruthful is a real word, but we're going to pretend that it is. It requires us to be ruthful rather than ruthless. In Scripture and in the Christian faith, mercy means that we should have the compassion to be a giver of grace to people who don't deserve it. It means we should show compassion to someone that we have power or authority over. Who do we have power or authority over? It's not the people that work for you. It's not domineering over your family. You have power over people who have done you wrong. You have power over people who have hurt you. You have power over people that maybe have lashed out at you. And you have the power to offer them mercy and grace and compassion. We need to understand that compassion, mercy, and grace are a part of the character of God. We are supposed to be a reflection of that characteristic. You see, we don't get to pick just the parts of God that we want to be a reflection of. We should be a reflection of the whole part of God. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, the merciful are happy because they will receive mercy. You see, there's a purpose for God's mercy. God's mercy helps us to change from the inside out. Without God's mercy, I wouldn't be standing here talking to you today. Without God's mercy, some of you wouldn't be here today. God wants us to be welcomed in His kingdom. And mercy, being a part of the character of God, And there's no doubt about it. That is a huge part of the character of God. But the question is, do you want mercy and grace and compassion to be a part of your character? Are you willing to sharpen yourself, to to edge out some of yourself so that mercy and grace and compassion can become part of your character? Mercy is grace's effect on justice. And so it's, it's another side of justice. It's rooted in love. It all goes back to love. I did a series in February about the secrets of love. And and as we go through these things, everything comes back to love. It's rooted in love. God shows mercy because God loves us. God shows mercy because He loves us. And He forgives us because He loves us. And through grace and mercy, God offers those who do wrong a new chance to get it right. I am so grateful for that. He also offers us at very least, a new opportunity to follow Christ if we haven't yet. Compassion, grace, and mercy, they're all cause for hope. Jesus' act of loving us, His mercy, stands behind the entire Christian faith. God shows compassion and mercy and grace in abundance with no cost to us. The amazing thing about mercy and grace and compassion from God is there's no supply shortage of any of them. Listen to what Paul tells Timothy. 
about mercy. And, and if you have your Bible or your, your iPad or whatever, you can highlight some of these things. This is what he tells Timothy about mercy in 1 Timothy first, uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 7. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and with unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly and along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Did you hear that? Underline this. In verse 16, Paul says, But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners. Paul knows his place. He knows what he was. Christian, don't ever forget what you were. When we forget where we came from, we forget what mercy and grace and compassion really are. And we become so so heavenly focused, we're no earthly good. Don't do that. And, and I love in Paul's letters, he, he refers back to this. And some people are like, why does Paul always beat himself up? He's letting people know he hasn't forgotten where he came from. He's grateful for where he is. But he has not forgotten where he came from. And he tells us right here, so that me in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Verse 17, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul is challenging Timothy with the thought that mercy sometimes functions as a spiritual gift. The the spirit gives you a special effectiveness. The spirit of God will give you the ability to give mercy in a way and in a time that it crucially matters for softening, excuse me, for the softening and suffering of someone else. And it will happen in a direct way when you move yourself out of the way and allow it to happen. You see, when the right act of mercy is done at just the right time, even the worst of sinners, like Paul, shows the, er, calls himself forgiven and restored. And with compassion in your life, you become merciful. We're all called to be merciful to each other, but sometimes the one person we are the least merciful to is ourselves. You see, the first step in inner healing may be for you to recognize your wrongs is for, and for healing to take place. It's essential that you show mercy and compassion and grace to yourself. I say this all the time. We, we sit in a room and we, we plan out something that's going to happen on a Sunday. And we, we, we find good songs and we, we find scripture and and I craft out a sermon and, and a challenging bit from God's Word. We find out who's going to be given the communion meditation and the offering. And, 
and we think we've done a good job, and then God shows up and just blows it out of the water. And like Alex was talking about, first step toward inner healing is recognizing your wrongs. For that healing to take place, it's essential that you show yourself compassion and mercy and grace. What good is it if you try to give mercy and grace to someone else and be merciful to others when you're actually teaching yourself cruelty and you're being cruel to yourself? That's what Satan does. That's one of his lies. We'll say, oh, I forgive somebody, but then we don't forgive ourselves when we mess up. Satan keeps, keeps keeping that over us. And we, we can't break free. We can't give ourselves mercy. We don't cut ourselves any slack. Brothers and sisters, your task is not to beat yourself up, but it's to actually change yourself. It's to change your action. It's to change your desire. Here comes the roller coaster part. Here it comes. Your, your feet may get stepped on, but you may need to forgive yourself so that you can offer, and offer grace to yourself so that you can really offer it to others. What do we know about grace? I like what Anne Lamott says. She says, I do not at all understand the mystery of grace. Only that it meets us where we are, but does not leave us where it found us. That's that's God's love in our lives. It meets us where we are. But He loves us too much to leave us there. And His grace and His mercy... His compassion for us will will pull us from that when we allow it. Grace in its simplest form is unmerited favor. But unfortunately in today's English, the, the adjectives for grace, which are gracious and graceful, are no longer connected to the idea of getting unmerited favor or, or being characterized by giving unmerited favor. Gracious has more to do with the simple courtesy than favor. Graceful is about movement or form. A grace period is a temporary relief before you eventually have to what? Pay up. You see, we've, we've changed that word all around. These are in many ways, they're good words of grace, good adjectives of grace. But God's grace, the grace that we're called to give, the grace that we're called to be a reflection of, is mostly aimed, unfortunately at the mud in our life, at the scoundrel, scoundrous, scound, I'll get it, scandalous things in our life, at the hurts. Grace from God is aimed at the hurts of our everyday life. Grace is undeserved. But you get it when you deserve something that's not so good. That means grace, by definition, is unjust. What? Thank God that what goes around doesn't have to come around. Otherwise, we'd all be sunk. Grace is unjust. And I'm grateful for it. The grace of God is given to all freely. And when we are involved in God's Word, we will grow in our faith. Our faith in God's Word and His truths are what keep us straight, so to speak. What what keep us connected, what keep us convicted, what help us sharpen one another. It's God's grace that lets loose the riches of God's love on us. God's keep, God keeps His grace from no one. But if you don't accept God's grace, it sits there without doing its full wonders in your life. Kind of like an unopened or forgotten present. Any, any kids in here that hate to open presents? 
Anyone? Yeah. Adults hate opening presents. It reminds us that we're getting older. But I have yet to find a kid that would just say, thanks for this great gift. The wrapping is so pretty. I'm just going to set it here. They may try, but eventually they'll open it up. But that's what God's grace is like sometimes. We, we don't open it. And the gift... If, but if we open the gift of grace, the gift itself shows us how to give it to others. You see, grace is free, but it doesn't come cheap. The one who loves us pays for our grace. By way of consuming all the grief and sorrow that can only be found in someone who loves all the way through to being executed for it. The same is true for us. We, like God, give unmerited favor to those we love. Sometimes we need to give that unmerited favor to ourselves. What's amazing about grace is there's more than enough grace to go around. There's plenty of grace. There's more than enough grace to do the job. More than enough grace for every one of us to give. And there's more than enough grace for you to find and offer yourself. Jonathan Edwards once said, Grace is but glory begun, and glory is but grace perfected. Grace is but glory begun, and glory is but grace perfected. Gerald May, in his book titled The Awakened Heart, on page 122, wrote this about the roller coaster of mercy and grace. He said, Left with an unknowing dependence on grace, in the instant of an arising desire, we very often truly do not know what to do. As frustrating and painful as the dilemma may be, there is a real beauty in it. It is precisely at those times of not knowing that we are most alive and realizing our need for grace. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what your struggle has been this week. Maybe it's been financial, maybe it's been physical, maybe it's been spiritual. Maybe this series has challenged you to think about some things differently and you're trying to figure out how do I really wrap myself around mercy and grace and how do I develop compassion? How do I bring that into play in my life? How, how do you look at others and their situations? How you should respond to those who have hurt you or to those you have hurt? Maybe you're trying to figure out how to forgive yourself in the first place. You need to offer mercy and grace to yourself or compassion so you can begin offering it to others the good news here is that because of jesus because of his death his burial his resurrection your sins are covered no matter what satan tries to tell you your sins are covered and all you have to do is come out of whatever it is that's separating you from god david crowder says in his song come as you are come out of sadness from wherever you've been Come brokenhearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, O sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. Wanderer, come home, you're not too far. So lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are. You see, Christ came and lived his life as an example for us. And then he gave his life as our final sacrifice for our sins. And no matter what you're going through, you need to know there's hope for the hopeless. And all those who've strayed, 
Come sit at the table. Come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary, rest, rest that endures. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. Compassion, grace, mercy, they all start by laying your burdens down at the feet of Jesus. You're not alone. You're not rejected. You're not, um, you're not abandoned. But you are loved. And, and if for nothing else, as we come into our response time today, my prayer is that you will thank God for His compassion and His mercy and His grace on your life and for the knowledge that you have the ability to be forgiven for everything you've ever done. I want you to think about what's been given to you from God. And then I want you to consider how you can give it to someone else. Will you stand and sing our response song with us this morning and respond to God's mercy and grace and compassion accordingly?